Hey, Survivor fans, let's talk about a snack that would take that island by storm. Wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios are the undisputed champions of proteins. They pack a punch, boasting six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. That's over 10% of your daily value. Talk about a powerhouse snack. And let's not forget the lineup. We're talking flavors galore. Sweet chili, salt and pepper, honey roasted. Wonderful pistachios is like a flavor festival for your taste buds. Perfect for tribal gatherings or on-the-go adventures. The no-shells option is a game changer. Just grab and go. It's that easy. So Survivor Squad, if you want to outwit, outplay, outsnack the competition, make Wonderful Pistachios your go-to snack. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. I'm Jeff Probst, the host and showrunner of Survivor. Each week, I'm joined by Jay Wolf, the producer of this podcast and a Survivor fan. Hello, Jay. Hello, Jeff. And we're always joined by Rick Devins, a former Survivor player. Hey, Rick. What's happening, Jeff? All right, so here's the deal with On Fire. We analyze the key turning points of each episode from those three points of view. The fan in Jay, the player in Devons, the producer in me. So let's get into it. It's episode four of Survivor 45. What was the headline for either of you? For me, the headline was basketball. <laughs> and, and not just because we need to have a Caleb versus Austin horse game at some point. Both of them were so prolific at shooting in the challenge. And not just because Caleb then made a Kawhi Leonard reference when he's talking about his gameplay style, but really because it kind of emulated the game of basketball. The episode? Yeah. It was back and forth. We're moving down one court. We're moving up the other one. And then a late call changed the whole game. Oh, nice. All right, Devin, do you agree? Yeah, thinking outside the box. I'll go with Jay on this. I'll just, I'll add, pickup basketball Mm. because you know when you get out to the pickup court you're kind of looking around you got to quickly make friends with new Mm. teammates you got to do the little things to show them that you're going to be the type of guy they want to play the game with you know do you distribute the ball are you a ball hog so i think i can go with this basketball theme. you're alluding to the swap yes sir (laughs) okay 
All right, and the thing I want to highlight from the producer's point of view is the storytelling approach we took with this episode. As we've talked about, we approach Survivor like a murder mystery. Who's going to be killed tonight? And we always give you clues. And in this episode, we gave you clues to Sean from the opening moments. First, it starts with the post-tribal beat where they all come back. And in this case, you see Sean, who'd been blindsided, pretending, eh, it's not that big a deal. It's part of the game. But in interview, he says... I'm on the bottom, he's about to give up, and even later he alludes to that idea again that he feels on the bottom. So those are clues to the episode, and then the idea of who is going home is what the audience is playing with. What do the clues mean? And then every episode pays off in the end with the reveal of the vote. Well, Jeff, I gotta ask you, how did you feel about Sean? I do have opinions, and I will share what I think about Sean, but why don't I save those until the end, And then when we get there, we can tie it all together by connecting it back to this question of clues and how we chose to tell the story of this episode. Sound good? Yeah. That sounds great. Outstanding. Well, let's get into it with turning point number one. What do you got for us, Jay? Pretty sure we all know what the first major turning point of this episode was. For the first time in the new era, we are switching tribes. Wow. Are there four more electrifying words on Survivor than we are switching tribes? Uh, Yes, the tribe has spoken. (laughs) But I get your point. I know what you're saying. Because it's changing the game. Yeah, that's a good one. But the tribe has spoken. That ends badly for somebody. The tribe swap, such a fun time in Survivor. Yeah, I know there's anticipation. But beyond that, what's a player thinking as those buffs are being drawn? It's like a mini merge, basically. I mean, this is a chance where your social game is going to be tested. You're going to have an opportunity to make moves, to build allies, and to, you know, really test your survivor medal in the game because you need to get information. You're going to learn things about the other tribe that you've just been theorizing about. Now you get some solid info. You might end up learning things about your tribe. We saw Katora asking about what happened on the journey, kind of silencing Bruce, (laughs) right? This is a great time to learn what's been going on, and really to test what type of survivor you are. Can you manage to make your way into a new tribe? And for us, from the producing side, it's a game changer as well. We have new tribes, new players on different beaches, new story dynamics for us to follow. You have new advantage dynamics that might come into play if somebody has an advantage and they go to another tribe. And for the players... They have new producers to get to know because the producers really do become like therapists to the players. And they can really help you if you're having a down day and you're doing an interview. Sometimes a player will just be missing home. And our producers are really good at saying, take a minute. And if you want to talk about it, talk about it or just take a moment. But they try to help remind them that you're here to play this game. So if it requires five or 10 minutes to feel sad, then get back out there. So this tribe swap changes things for everybody. It's so true. You really do build different relationships with different producers. Like I had a very fun relationship with Joe, with Ryan. We always talked about sports. Clark always knew how to get to the heart of the matter. And then at the swap, (laughs) I got Dawn for the first time. Oh, Dawn. And Dawn would go, what do you think your kids are doing back home? And I would break down for Dawn like I had never (laughs) for any of the others. And it it is. You get something new for the people watching at home. And it's a new experience for yourself in the game because they really are nurturing. I just got to say, having been in the industry for a while, 
I think this is really amazing. It sounds exceptional from a producing perspective because, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there are shows out there in which those interviews are almost scripted for the people mm. who are giving them. Yeah. And so the fact that this is sounds like it's the opposite is actually really impressive. Jay, I love that you said that. And the cynic would say, well, yeah, Don is asking him about his kids to get him to cry. That's not really how it goes. Don is trying to remind Devons that I'm your ally and I'm not an adversary and I'm never here to trick you. I'm just here to talk about what's going on in the show. And sometimes, almost for every player at some point, they're having a moment. They're just feeling like, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm missing home or whatever. And the producer can help get them through that and get them back into the game. And that's why when it's over, the relationship between the players and the producers is really extraordinary. There are deep friendships because there's a mutual respect. That's really cool. All right. So as you said, Jeff, it's the first drive swap in the new era. Yeah. Can you talk us through how that decision gets made from a game design perspective and what, if anything, changes from here? Well, we start each season in pre-production and that's when we start laying out the season. And in the new era, we've been very committed to a few things. New players. Let's stick with that. Let's stick with this format. Let's let the players explore this new format before we rush to overhaul it or come up with some new theme. And instead, let's just do tiny tweaks. And that includes when we should merge, if we should switch, how many journeys should we have? So we had four straight seasons with no swap. And we thought, well, maybe we can surprise them. Maybe they're actually thinking we're not going to swap in the new era. So we tried one and put it in. It's really that simple. So I just want to clarify, what you're saying is that this tribe swap was pre-planned. It was not because the Lulu tribe went down to three players. Yeah, nope, always pre-planned. And I get it. I think it's a natural question. Even now listening to me, people might say, well, of course he's going to say that but they could decide to do a swap anytime they want. That's true, we could, but let me, just walking you through it, the number one reason is integrity. And I think Devons will attest to this, we don't mess with the game. We never have. We don't change the game to help us or to help a tribe or to help a player. Lulu losing, we don't suddenly create a new challenge that Lulu can win. Those challenges are many, many weeks to build, months to plan. And the number two reason is scheduling. We have a lot that goes into every time we do something. There's a lot of moving pieces. We have crews we have to deal with, reality and challenge in this case. We have boats that we have to coordinate that take everybody everywhere. We have our challenge and art department involved. So you get my point. We have a relentless 26-day schedule that has to be tended to. All right, so the next turning point is we're actually swapping. So let's talk about who's on the new tribes. Reba is four former Reba. Julie J. D. Sifu. And they add Sean from Lulu Tribe. Bello is two former Reba in Austin and Drew, or as I like to refer to them as the Bash Brothers, and two former Bello, Brando and Kendra, as well as Emily from Lulu. And Lulu is now four members of Bello. You still with me, folks? Yeah. Bruce, Jake, Kelly, Katora, and Caleb from the original Lulu Tribe. So all three original Lulu are now in three separate tribes. Rick, as a player, is this the worst case scenario for them? <laughs> I don't think so. I think. We've discussed in the past on this show, everything on Survivor could be a horrible thing or it could be a great thing. It's just how you frame it, how you use it. And I think in this case, if two of them ended up on a tribe, they're still outnumbered, but then they're a bigger threat. I think with them having one on each tribe, even though 
we know how it turned out. I think this gave them the best opportunity to either be that swing vote or to be so non-threatening that you get these other players that haven't been to tribal council yet, that are really waiting to play Survivor, you get their head spinning. How can I use this player to maybe do something I've wanted to do this whole game and haven't had a chance? And then there's the strategy of the game. You know, they say, you're showing the cracks. Well, one thing we know about Survivor, the reason that the game works is because no matter how big of an alliance you have, there's always someone at the top and someone at the bottom. Right. And if you're at the bottom, you're not exposing cracks. You're like Katora. You are going and recruiting someone. She doesn't think she's exposing anyone's cracks. She's playing the game. Like, she is grabbing the bull by the horns. That is a great delineation. I'm not exposing a crack. I'm moving my game forward by seizing you. You're the one in trouble. Come with me and you're not. Avoid me, you might be. Katura's playing a very aggressive game in her own way. That's actually the next turning point I wanted to get to, which is now that we have swapped, what are the strategies that ensue? And one of the questions I had about was Katura exposing what is a large crack. And I honestly believe if we all move against Bruce, Move against us. We were at the water well, but I was no longer thirsty. I was finally quenched. Somebody was finally telling me what's going on around here. Knowing that Katora and Bruce might be at odds tells me already where some of the divisions might lie. And I feel like I finally am seeing how this forest is shaping. And now it's time for me to build the trail that I'm going to walk down. Okay, first of all, somebody give Caleb a podcast because all those metaphors were outstanding. Amazing. I think way better than the basketball. This goes back to needing coaching to get on the show. Caleb needing coaching. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Self-checkout line. He gets picked. <laughs> okay, so aside from that, Rick, you just said Couture's advancing her game. She's not exposing the crack. But she's got a huge grudge against Funkle Bruce. Doesn't that play a part in her strategy? You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Sometimes those things line <laughs> up in a beautiful way. She could be doing what's best for her game and going after Bruce, but she's definitely putting herself out there. I got to say, as much as I wanted Emily and Bruce on the same beach after their little run-in on the barge, Katora and Bruce on the same beach <laughs> paying off even more. Yeah, But Katora has options here. She could stick with her old tribe but she sees those three in her mind getting closer together than they are to her. So that's a precarious position, even though it's the safest mm. way maybe through the first tribal. Or she makes a bigger move. She brings in this guy in Caleb. She's putting a lot of trust in him because he can turn on her at any moment. But if she can bring him in, she could maybe get rid of Bruce, who she sees as a big obstacle in her game. And that could further her down the line, especially if she's able to then bring in some of Caleb's allies at the merge. Yeah, I think maybe, but I got to believe that that grudge is really sticking in her side. <laughs> I mean, there was a small moment earlier, but I wanted to bring it up. Jeff, there's a section where Katora is talking to the producer. We just talked a little bit about those interviews and how important they are. And this interview seemed to have gone on for about 25 minutes of Katora complaining about Bruce. <laughs> and the way that it was cut together with cross dissolves and seeing her sort of go on and on and on about Bruce, I thought was really a fantastic editing choice. Well, watching a new episode of Survivor, for me, when I get a cut, it really is like Christmas morning. Because <laughs> even though I'm there, I'm not aware of most of the tiny details. There's so much going on big picture to keep the show on track. So I'm always surprised by a number of things in every episode. In this case, 
This is really another nod to our producing and editing teams in the Bays. This specific idea was, was Eric Shanks, and he's a new editor that joined us this season to help with our 90-minute episodes because it's more to do, so we brought on some support. Look at that. Out of the gate, comes up with this really cool idea, and it harkens back to what we talked about in last season's On Fire when we had our editing episode with Dave Armstrong the different points of view of how you can cut a scene. For instance, you could have told this very straight. You see Bruce in reality doing these things and that annoy Katura, and then Katura could have talked about him. You could have also told it from Bruce's point of view. You see Bruce in reality doing all the things that are annoying, but instead you have Bruce talking about how everybody likes me except Katura. She's always <laughs> bothered with me. Which it's I'm the, sure was part of his interview. <laughs> yes, and it's remember, it's the same set of facts. It's just whose point of view are we going to tell it through? What was really clever here that Eric did was that he played with time and space. So you still have the same reality with Bruce and the tribe, and you have the same interview with Katura which takes place at a different time, but then he smashed them together. And so at times you were in her interview, but it felt as though she was reacting in real time to something Bruce was doing. It's a really clever way to get inside of Katura's head, almost to say, even when he's not around, he's bugging me. And, and that's just a great nod to trust. It's one of the themes we talk about. CBS trusts us to make the show. That allows us to trust each other creatively with our ideas. Well, it was so fun in that moment. But the payoff later was even better when Bruce does the little trick where he tries to hide the flint and then you cut back to Katora <laughs> reacting right. in her interview. It was it was beautiful. Just shaking her head. I know it's an audio medium, but if you missed that, go back and watch it on Paramount+. Plus. Unbelievable. All right, let's talk quickly through the other two tribes and their post-swap strategies. For Reba, it seems like Jay immediately jumps on the Sean bandwagon. Having heard your thoughts on Katora, Rick, I have to imagine you feel like Jay's also on the bottom and therefore that's why she's gravitating towards Sean like this. Jay's really interesting because Jay seems to have more options than Katora. Let's look at what Jay can do. Jay can go with D and Julie. That's a safe bet with the numbers. Jay can go with Sean, who she feels safe with, bring him in with Julie and D and get rid of Sifu. She wants rid of Sifu. She could go with Sifu and Sean if she got a bad feeling from Jay and D. So she has all types of options. I think it's interesting that she goes so hard for Sean where D and Julie are put into a situation where they have to choose between Sean and Sifu, a member of their original tribe. It's She's putting herself out there big time. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot about uh, Reba and Jay and Sean's decision in just a bit, but I want to get to Bello. The new Emily, a smashing success. <laughs> I mean, Emily's now in the middle of an even split, so everyone's fighting over her. Rick, is this just because she's the odd person out, or is it because of the change she underwent at Lulu? I think that... Dr. Caleb's monster, you know, his Frankenstein, Emily, has come back as a stronger survivor player, just like he said she was going to. And she told us as much, that she learned those lessons in the first days on Lulu, and she's taking them into this new tribe, and it's immediately paying off. We talked about how her change in attitude gave the Lulu tribe options. Now she's giving those options to this tribe. It's a 2-2 split. Austin and Drew are very close. If they were dealing with the old Emily, who they thought was someone that they couldn't work with, someone they might not want to be in camp with, 
they might start exploring options and going, maybe we can bring a Kendra or a Brando in. We don't want to deal with this. But because she's been so pleasant, so easy to work with, they go, this is the easiest option. Bring her in. It's three against two. And who knows where that can take Emily. Now, one thing I do want to point out, the Austin and Drew group has not told Emily yet about their advantages. And Julie and Dee have not told Jay yet about their advantages. Mm. So as much as they're bringing those people in, they're still keeping them at a distance. And it'll be interesting to see if they keep doing that or if eventually that trust is earned. I want to pipe in on Emily with a nod to Hannah because Hannah quit, got Emily through that tribal council. And that could go down as one of the biggest turning points in Emily's life not just mm. on Survivor, in life because of what it's opened up to her. Emily is reason number 3,563 that you should persuade your friends who don't watch Survivor to watch Survivor. It's an incredible <laughs> story in the making. All because Emily said yes, all because Emily was herself, all because Emily is open to learning and adapting. The game is the lure, the experience is the prize. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm trying to tell as many friends as I can, Jeff. All right, unbelievably, <laughs> we haven't gotten to Sean's shocking decision at the end of the episode, but we will get to his tribal council. And Jeff, I want to know why they did vote this time when they right. didn't with Hannah. Be right back. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast, quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash survivor to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com survivor. 
Welcome back to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Okay, I'm going to set up this final turning point, which is Sean's decision to ask his tribe to vote for him at Tribal Council. And as I said at the top, I do have opinions about Sean, which I'll share. But before I do, I'd like to explore how the decisions we made in terms of how we told this story impacted how the audience experienced it. So I'm curious to compare if the two of you had the same thoughts about who was going home as you were watching Tribal. So Devins, what did you think was going to happen? I thought that Sean was going to get voted out. Okay, why? Because his tribe, I thought it was a big uh, misdirect by the Reba tribe. I thought they were trying to make sure that Jay and Sean didn't do anything crazy, that he didn't play a shot in the dark, right. but that all along, Julie and D were going to do the safe thing and stay Reba strong with Sifu. How about you, Jay? Do you agree? Oh, I had the exact opposite opinion. Yeah, no, I thought Sifu was 100% going home. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, for me, and again, I'm the least qualified one here, but it looked to me in the episode like Jay had swung D to her side. I brought a clip because I'm prepared and I'm the producer. (laughs) Play it. We have an alliance and at least we can pull Sean in. This is how I see it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how she sees it. She says that to Julie, basically point blank. And we see Julie say, don't you guys want to win a challenge? Don't you care about not going to tribal council? And it seemed to me as if Jay had convinced Dee that that was not the plan and that they they were going to advance with Sean. Okay, Devin, just a quick reply. When you heard that, did you think that might have been a misdirect from us in the storytelling? I absolutely did, because as far as I'm concerned, anytime Jay is a part of the conversation with Julie and Dee, they're going to tell Jay whatever she wants. You can't trust it. Yeah. Okay. What else you got, Jay? The next thing that happened was that Julie, now forced to be on board with Dee and Jay's plan, tells Sean exactly how Tribal's going to go. Here's the other thing. At Tribal, I'm sorry, we're going to be talking Reba strong. Yeah. yeah. But you got to trust that we're not putting it in. Yeah. So again, this is... Those two people telling Sean exactly what he needs to hear so that he doesn't scramble, so that he doesn't play his shot in the dark and blow up their plans. And again, looking at it from a player perspective, it just doesn't make any sense to me that you would get rid of Sifu and put yourself in a situation where your duo is all of a sudden in with another strong duo of Jay and Sean, and there's no one else to get rid of. Okay, Jay, can I jump in here? Please. I think you've done a really good job of illustrating why we try to create uncertainty for the audience. Because with this episode, that was a decision we had to make, is do we foreshadow what's going to happen with Sean or do we play it straight? So just for some clarity, as much as you know anything going into Tribal, Sifu was going home. Oh, Mm. That's what all of our interviews said. So Jay, you were right. Wow, shows what I know. Yeah, but Devin's, it also shows why Survivor's fun to watch because you're a player and even you got fooled. That's part of the fun of that mystery that we talked about. And we could have made the decision, taken the point of view and said, let's let the audience know with certainty that Sifu's going home. And then when Sean decides to quit, you'll have a different emotional reaction. But the prevailing wisdom after we tried it was we're kind of robbing the audience of the fun of what you two just went through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's why we took the approach, is we decided, let's play the mystery. And then when Sean decides to ask the tribe to vote for him, everybody will be on the same page, which is, wait a minute, what is happening? Well, I got to say, now that I know Sean's the one who would have been safe, I'm even more confused by what went down at Tribal. Well, I can tell you what I think happened. I think Sean 
thought what Devin's thought was that he might be in trouble. And he started to question if he was the vote. Because as Devin said, yeah, people tell you things, but you don't always know the truth until you see your name on the parchment. And then when I asked him, so, Sean, if this is it, what's this journey been about? Which, by the way, I asked this question of everybody. It's not a dead man walking moment if I ask you how things are going. Devons, I'm sure I asked people during your season. Multiple tribal councils. I was asked at times when I knew I was safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, I know what I'm doing at tribal. Sometimes it's a misdirect from me, but sometimes it's what if I'm wrong and it is Devons. I would like to know what he's gotten out of this journey. So future players, don't read into that. I've heard people write that it's a giveaway. It's not a giveaway. But anyway, with Sean, I think he thought it was a giveaway. And I think he thought, <laughs> "Wow, oh man, it is me. They're blindsiding me. And so he starts talking about these powerful lessons that come with failure. And that's when I knew, oh, he's quitting. Because to your point, Devons, there was no failure happening. Mm. Sean had been playing a very clever game. He's a very clever guy. I'm going to be super clear. This was another engineered quit. And I, I got to be honest, I think Sean tried to craft a narrative that worked for him. Because, and Devons, jump in if you disagree as a player. Sean wasn't exhausted. He wasn't worried about food or bad sleeping. This was a sudden discovery, as in that exact moment at Tribal, he realized, whoa, hang on. I think I got what I needed. I'm good. Mm. Thanks so much. Because I, I realize, no disrespect to him, I realize he's missing his family, but it's not like you're out there for another six months. It's barely two more weeks. Devons, I'm sure you missed your family. Absolutely. And that's what I was thinking as he was saying this. It's like, I know you miss your husband, but like, the people deciding to stay and play the game and live out this dream don't love their loved ones any less. Jeremy Collins' wife was pregnant. He took that love and used it to win. So the reason Sean frustrated me is that I don't think he owned it. Hannah, equally frustrating, but she owned it. She said, look, I hate everything about Survivor. Sean <laughs> romanticized it. And I am happy that Sean's in love. Everybody knows I love love. I think it's awesome. I've been waiting for you to say that sentence for such a long time. <laughs> Jay, it's true. It, it is true. I love love. I miss my family so much when I'm gone. I'm just saying that romanticizing it felt to me like maybe a way to soften the idea of being voted out fourth in a game you imagined winning. And to be fair, he did say, if I would have tried, I could have won this game exactly. at the very end after he was voted out. Uh, and that's why we left it in there. And I'm, I don't, I'm not beating up Sean. I really am not. If he found a deeper connection to his husband, that is ultimately what Survivor's about, the experience. I'm just saying, owning it is also part of the experience. But it's good for somebody else. Sifu was going home, and now, like Emily, Sifu has a chance to say, okay, wait a minute, what was I doing wrong? And maybe Sifu yeah. can get some new traction. Who voted that, Sifu? Who voted for Sifu? <laughs> All right, when we come back, the first This Is Why You Suck of this what? season oh, of On Fire. Yeah. I thought they were gone. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast. All right, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before that, this is why you suck that I promise. Let's get to a couple fan questions. Oh, okay. If you have a question for Jeff, 
You can write to us at survivorshoutout at cbs.com and we will read those questions and maybe even read them here. The first question is from Bryn. She says, Hello, On Fire podcast crew. First of all, I'm loving the podcast, especially with the addition of a former player. It gives depth to each discussion point. Now, my question, I'm curious if there are any other Lost Survivor traditions, like the title theme, that you'd like to bring back, but hesitate to because of the new pace of the game. Hint, hint, the family visit. (laughs) Hey, Bryn. Yeah, the family visit. Well, it's funny. I just said, I love love. The family visit (laughs) is a lot of fun. Here's the background on it. We couldn't do it in 41 and 42 due to COVID. But what I don't think a lot of people know is we also couldn't do it in 43 and 44 because we still had those protocols in place. And let me tell you, that was a tough shoot, 43 and 44, because everybody else was tired of the protocols, but we still had to have them. So 45 was the first chance we could do it. And we just decided not to do it. And it really is the same reason we talked about earlier. We just kind of looked at the layout of the board and said, we've got enough. So loved ones could definitely come back For me, I just have to have a very specific reason. And it could be the same reason. It could be as simple as it's a reminder of who you are playing for. Little concern to what Bryn said that some fans may object that it's only 26 days. It's not that long. But Devin, let me ask you, I'm guessing you're missing your family long before 26 days. Oh my gosh. Under those conditions, the pain, the starvation, when you can't trust anybody, yeah, you're missing your family really bad early on. So I think it would be on us as producers to be able to tell that story so the audience really understood and believed that the players were genuinely missing their families, even though it had only been the equivalent of three weeks. But three weeks on Survivor is a very long time. (laughs) And I've, I've said this before, but... Being a parent changed the loved ones for me. In the early seasons, we'd have the loved ones and father would see his daughter and I'd be thinking producer stuff or host stuff, like who's coming out next? Where are they going to move to? What's going to happen? Are they going to run a challenge? Now, I'm so invested that all I'm thinking about (laughs) is don't cry. Do not cry because the editors will put it in if they see you crying because you're thinking about your family. (laughs) So it's a whole different experience for me now. Well, we got another question for you, Jeff. This one from Ryan. He says, hi, Jeff, big fan. You mentioned the possibility of everyone losing their vote, and that led me to wonder, what's the procedure at Tribal if this happens and no one can vote? Mm. Does it go to rocks, but nobody's safe, or is there something special planned for this? Well, I will say we don't go to rocks, but we do have a plan that I don't Mm -hmm. want to share because you never know this could happen. (laughs) But I will say that, Ryan, just so you can understand how we do it, we lay out the season ahead of time, as I've said, and that includes all the math. So there's actually one guy, he goes by Millhouse, but his name is Chris Marchand. He's one of our supervising producers, been with the show forever, but he just kind of took on the responsibility of doing the math. Marshawn is the guy that will say, okay, just want to let you know, I just went through the board. If we do a journey in episode one and all three players lose their vote, and then we put this advantage in in episode two and a different player finds it and loses their vote. And then if we do a tribe swap in episode four and four more people lose their vote and they all end up on the same tribe, we're still okay. There'll still be enough votes at tribal. So he's the (laughs) one that calls code red if we were to get into a jam. And that would be weeks before we even shoot. So the chances of a no vote tribal happening without us knowing and planning it are very unlikely. The chances of a no vote tribal happening with us planning it, 
very fun. <laughs> oh, boy. I can already hear fans upset about it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Tribal Council with no votes. They've broken the game again. <laughs> All right. Our last fan question before something else happens uh, is from Mel. Hi, Jeff. My nine-year-old son, Linus, is a Survivor superfan. What up, Linus? He is constantly breaking our household into tribes and on numerous occasions has threatened to snuff my torch. His most recent Survivor-related request has me a little perplexed. He'd like to be Jeff Probst for Halloween. Since I was unable to find that costume hanging on the wall when I walked in to the store this week, I was wondering, what would you consider qualifies for an authentic Jeff Probst costume? Well, first of all, Mel, I hope this means that Linus is listening to the podcast because nothing would make me happier than to know that 8, 9, 10, 11 year old kids are listening because that is who we make the show for. And the fact that Linus is imagining, in this case, being me, but that's probably just a pathway to being a Devons or being a player one day. It makes me very happy. So, Devons, you weigh in on this, Jay weigh in on this, but I'll start. Okay, Linus. Here are the things I think you need. A hat. Mm. You can certainly buy one online through CBS. And it's the same hat that I wear. Exactly the same hat. That's where we get them. And it's kind of fun because it has some of the catchphrases in the lining. But you don't have to buy a hat. If you don't want to spend the money, don't. Just print out the Survivor logo and tape it on a hat, just on a baseball cap. Then I would say either any blue shirt or any adventure shirt. And it doesn't have to be both. Although, if you can find a blue adventure shirt, well, you're 90% there. And then the third thing would be that little necklace that I wear, choker. Mine are usually really simple. They're just like a piece of leather. It could be a piece of thin rope. It could be a piece of string. Actually, my very first one really was just a piece of very thin string with a shell on it. So anything like that. I think if you have the hat, the shirt, and the choker, you're good to go. What do you two think? I got to say, if you want to Jeff Probst, Halloween costume with all the fixins. Uh, you got to be the scary version on Halloween. So you got to have a snuffer as part of the costume. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. And Linus, I have, I still have the very first snuffer in my office right now. And it is a stick, literally just a stick with half a coconut. And they just wrapped some rope around it too and some adhesive, like some glue and glued it to it. So I think you can make an easy snuffer. And now you got the complete... Survivor outfit. And Linus, if someone doesn't give you the candy you want, you vote them out. <laughs> it's time for you to go. <laughs> All right, it's time. This is why you suck! Jordan writes, Jeff, I beg of you. Oh, God. Stop taking people's splint. <laughs> losing tribes are already at a disadvantage. Isn't losing punishment enough? Why do you have to punish them further? I find it very upsetting, totally unnecessary, and gimmicky. Oh, gimmicky. All right. Well, Jordan, we're off to a bad start. (laughs) The losing tribe misses out on the reward prize. They're already starving in the jungle. I'm not kidding. I know. That one thing really makes the show hard for me to watch. It makes me want to tune it out until the merge. (laughs) And sometimes I do. Oh, no. Thank you for listening. I love Survivor except for that, Jordan. Oh, Jordan. All right. Well... I love our fans. I I really do. I love that they speak their mind. Gimmicky, little bit of a trigger for me. But look, <laughs> there's never a right way, Jordan. You know that. If you listened last season, it's just our way. We're not saying it's the correct way. But in the new era, the idea is you have to earn 
everything. And I realize it's tough, but we did go through every element of the show. We tried to find places to force tribes to either earn it or pay for that failure. And I'm going to say, I really like this added test. I especially like it out of the gate. I like that you show up, your feet hit the sand, and you're in a marooning challenge. And then if you don't do well there, you got sweat versus savvy. If you don't do well there, you don't have a flint at all, and you still haven't gotten your first immunity challenge. That's a huge kick start to a season, and it puts you on your heels if you fail. Plus, I just like saying, sorry for you. I just like it. It's sassy. It's dismissive. And in fact, Jordan, sorry for you. I know you have a soft heart and that's cool. I clearly don't. So that's my reasoning. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look ahead to next week. Anything on your mind based on the this episode of what you anticipate next week? I got three words for you. Who voted Sifu? (laughs) Sifu needs to find out who voted Sifu. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and from my end, on the emotional side, we have one of my favorite origin stories of the new era. I think a lot of people will relate to it. I think the player involved should plan on doing some speaking events. And just personally, I was very moved. And it's one of those layers to our show that I think separates Survivor from most any other show in our genre. Yes, I'm bragging. That's my job. All right, that's it for this week's episode on fire. Please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's a brand new episode of Survivor this Wednesday at 8, 7 central on CBS and Paramount Plus. And immediately following that, you get a brand new episode of this on fire. We'll see you next week. You can watch Survivor and more on Paramount Plus. Subscribe at ParamountPlus.com and use the code SURVIVOR45 by December 20th, 2023 and get your first month of Paramount Plus on us. Must be age of majority to subscribe. U.S. only. Payment method required. Terms and conditions apply.